Hello, everybody. It's your host, Cami Nelson. How we rockin', how we rollin'. I hope we're all good. Welcome to whatever you're doing cleaning, driving, eating, lying in bed, anything. Welcome to Safe Space. I feel super blessed and fortunate that you are here. Now, today's episode is going to be a wee bit different. I'm going to be discussing three different topics because I could not decide which topic I wanted to discuss. So I will be spending a little bit of time on each topic, and because of that, we I'm going to put timestamps in the description of when I start each topic. So the first topic will be relationships, then supporting a loved one with a mental illness, and then mental health in the media. So that you can just listen to whichever topic you want. I mean, if you want to listen to two of them or even all three, by all means, I would love that. But I understand that we're all busy and we don't have that kind of time. And I didn't know what everyone wanted to hear. It was kind of widespread when I asked on my Instagram. So yeah, I'm putting a little bit of everything and I'll just, you can look in the description or the caption or whatever and pick what one you want to listen to. Uh, I hope you guys like this format. It's something I'm not going to do very often, but I thought it would be something that would be good for today because I was really excited to record. So that is why this episode might be on a little bit of the longer side if you look at the time, but in reality it's like a three in one, so it's actually not that long at all. With that said, I'm going to get started into the conversation right now and start with relationships. So hi, welcome if you chose to listen to relationships. And I just want to, I know this is a little bit more mechanical, like it won't really flow topic to topic, but just think of it as a three-in-one, like how you used to have like the three-in-one body shampoo as a kid. Um, yeah. The first thing I wanted to impress upon upon friendships was why they're helpful. I know for people with, who are struggling with mental health that, or even have good mental health, like relationships are such an important part of somebody's mental health. I cannot express to you enough. And not just having relationships, but having good, solid relationships. I always have said, I'm going to start friendships. I think friendships are the family that you get to choose. And I truly think having good friendships can make all the world of difference. And I don't want to alarm anyone who doesn't think they have good friendships because I don't think anyone has had solid good friendships during every single point in their life. I think that it's hard to always have good relationships. It's hard to always have good friendships. And I don't want you to feel alone. I, you know, I know as a kid, I was constantly trying to find my people, to find my best friendships. And then all through middle school, I've kind of pressed upon this. You know, I was constantly trying to figure out who I was. And, you know, I love my two middle school best friends now, and I love them then too. But we were just a little bit of different kind of people. And what I kind of had to learn was that we didn't quite click the way that like best friends do. And now they're two of my best friends because we're all a little bit different. And we have a much healthier relationship. But what I'm trying to say through all of this is it's okay. It's okay if you don't have the best friendships right now. I've kind of pressed upon this in the last episode, so it might seem a little redundant, but it is okay. Like, totally okay. But you can always go out and make new friendships. And I think if you're at a lack of wanting to, or here's some motivation to, because Friendships, I think, are truly the building blocks of life. They bring you joy. These are the people who are rubbing off on you. Like, you are going to become who you surround yourself with. 
If you surround yourself with really mean people, you are going to become mean. If you surround yourself with a bunch of people who love sports, you will probably do sports. If you surround yourself with a bunch of people who love games, you will probably love games. It's who you want to be when you choose to surround yourself with people. And I think that's a really awesome thing. I think it's really beautiful. And I think finding friendships can just be important, but you can also make a friendship healthier. I think that it's important to keep good communication in your friendships. I know that when I feel that me and my friends are struggling or that it's just not going well, you know, in the past, I maybe just avoided it or don't talk. And I know in my personal friend group, like, I think that's something everyone in high school and college and middle school or wherever you are struggles with. But I know personally, communication right now can be hard for my friend group. And one thing I've really tried to commit myself to doing is I think you can make friendships healthier by, A, spending more quality time together, like, making a plan. If you want to develop a friendship, you know, I had this friend who used to say, like, no one would invite me to go places, and I've heard that by so many people. People don't just ask me all the time, like, hey, do you want to hang out? But I'm constantly hanging out with people because I'm constantly asking other people because I want to hang out. It's not really a competition. They're not going to think less of you if you're the one to ask. I used to feel so insecure. I used to think that, like, oh, if I ask this person to hang out, then they don't want to hang out with me because they didn't ask me. No, like, maybe they just weren't thinking about hanging out with somebody, or maybe they're thinking the same thing you are. So, I'm constantly asking people to hang out, and I do that very unapologetically. Now, that was just a side note. Um, I think you can make your friendships healthier with people by just discussing the problems. Like, if they're saying something that's really upsetting to you, or if they continue to do something that violates your boundaries, or just puts a little bit of not goodness into your life, just talk to them about it. And I know that sounds, I'm making it sound so easy, but I know it's not. It's not easy, and it's hard, and confrontation's hard. But I think it's worth it, because having a healthy relationship can be super important. And... I wanted, for example, I wanted to just talk a little bit about my friendships because while I'm talking about friendships, I just, we're talking about everything friendship related and I just wanted to share a little bit about my friendships and how, you know, these have helped me through my mental health. I have talked about this a little bit, but I have like these two friends who, one especially through everything, who helped me more than I could ever imagine through my mental health. Actually, there's three friends. I totally just lied. There's three friends and they all helped me a lot. (laughs) And these friends provided immense support and they they were the rock when everything else turned sand underneath my feet. And I would have never known that, I don't think, without, if I had suffered, hadn't suffered the way I had. But what I'm trying to say is that because I've learned that because I had those important friendships, like, that was my reason to fight. That was my reason to keep going. They were there for me when I was not showing up for myself. They believed in me when I was not believing in myself. And in turn, I will always believe in them. I will always support them. And I just think having friendships did wonders for my mental health. I mean, I, it gave me something to do, something to care about, something to fight for. Like, It gave me a family, people to tell stuff to. I just love friendships. And you'll hear me say it a lot because I've made pretty amazing friendships. I know. I don't want to brag, but I do. 
I have met some of the most amazing people in the world. Just yesterday, I had this Friendsgiving at my house with about 30 people, and I even made some new friends, and it was amazing. I'm so blessed that for each and every person who showed up to that, that were friends, like, I talked to nearly everyone there, too. Like, it wasn't, like, a bunch of people I didn't know for the most part, and uh, I just, friendships are amazing, but, you know, I didn't always used to think that, you know, and I know a lot of people who don't, so I don't want to make you feel lonely or sad or if, because I think friendships are hard. There was times in my life where I felt like, great, all these people love each other more than they love me, and this person is this person's best friend, and I'm no one's first choice, and it took me a really long time to figure out and to accept, you know, you have to be willing to accept that people, you have to put yourself out there first. Sometimes someone's not going to find you. You have to go find them. And that's okay. Like someone has to make the first move to become a friend. And that is completely okay. So just putting that out there. (laughs) And I think it's okay if you haven't, you know, made those building blocks yet, because you will eventually make them. And I just want to throw this out there. I, to anyone, whether you live near near me or not, ever want to text me, talk to me, I like to be friends with everyone. I think friendships are amazing. So this isn't, this is kind of like a side note, but especially if you live near me and we can go hang out or something, like literally text me and be like, Cammy, we are besties now. Like, babes, we are going to talk. And I will probably text you, OMG, thank you, I love you. And that's what I mean. Like, it makes my heart so happy when people text me. Like, you have no idea. Yeah. Okay. The next relationship I wanted to talk about was parents. I think parents is an interesting relationship because it can either really help you or not so much. I think creating a healthy relationship with your parents is really important. I think, yes, there's a power dynamic because your parents are, like, kind of in charge of you for the most part. But I also think setting boundaries that you're your own person and setting boundaries for what you care about with your parents. And you get to choose how much they know in your life. Like they cannot, you know, I guess they could know your location if they track you and stuff, but like really, truly the deep stuff that's going in your life, you get to choose if you talk to them or not about that. And I think building a good relationship with your parents where they trust you and you trust them can really help that. You know, Uh, Me and my parents have an amazing relationship. I tell my mom quite literally everything for the most part, and we are super close. But it wasn't, you know, we have our fights, we have our moments, but I don't think we'd be like that if we didn't both reciprocate and we didn't both respect each other and, you know, not say mean things to each other. And, you know, she doesn't, she's authoritative and she helps parent me and she keeps me grounded, but she's not going to like, yell at me a ton and just constantly punish me and track me. And, you know, I'm 16. She kind of lets me live her life. And I think that really helps. And even though for some parents that might seem really scary, eventually I'm going to be my own person. In two years from now, I'm going to be in college. And I think what I hope parents could understand is that, like, I, I feel like I'm really benefited by the fact that my mom has let me have freedom now so I can practice freedom while being under her roof so that when I'm not under her roof, I can help. Also, shout out to my dad. Um, I don't quite tell him everything. I just, like, me and my mom have that girl and girl connection, but I love my dad. We do everything together. He's amazing. He's probably one of the nicest people I've ever met. He's he's awesome. So, 
I love my dad and we have an amazing relationship. We do everything. Like we talk, we play games. He's supported me so much through so much. Like, ugh, I love dads. Um, that's pretty much all I wrote down to talk about for parents because I just think parent relationships can be important. And I think if I would give any advice to someone struggling with their relationship with their parents, uh, your parents love you, whether you see it or not. Or actually, I guess I can't guarantee you that, but for the most part, your parents are going to love you for most people. And I guess what I would recommend to someone struggling with their relationship with their parents is try to be open with them. That might sound really scary, but I think the best thing I've ever done for my relationship with my parents is to be open with them because they trust me. And it's not like I've never done anything wrong, but they trust me because they know that I'm going to tell them when I do stuff. And as weird as that sounds, I think it makes it a whole lot easier on both of us. You know, I don't really get grounded or punished or I, you know, because we have a a two-way relationship and I tell them all the good, all the bad, and all the ugly. And I also make sure I spend time with them. You know, we bond over sports or we bond over friends and my parents offered to take me places and literally best thing ever. I also think, side note, parents who literally no parents are listening to this, but I can never stress enough. My mom's a teacher. My dad's a teacher and neither of my parents check power school ever. And I think that is one of the best things. I will literally have my mom on this. If you guys want to talk to your parents about why they should not be checking power school, not be using life 360, like unless an emergency, all of those kinds of things. But I think from my point of view, and I'm only a 16 year old, We have to learn to make up for our own mistakes. If you forget to turn in a paper and your mom is on you about it right away or your dad or whoever, how are you going to learn to handle that mistake, to turn it in late, to make up the grade, to bring the grade back up without your parents being on you when you go to college? And how are you going to learn that mistakes are okay and mistakes mean you're trying and mistakes mean that you care if your parents are always on you? And how how are your parents going to know the grades that you're getting are for you and your future and not for them? So, little controversial right there. Sorry. <laughs> Side note. Okay. And, okay, the last relationship I want to talk about is relationship with, like, romantic partners. It's, like, boyfriends, girlfriends, partners, just whatever. And significant others. That's the word. And so, I, I'm i not an expert in this relationship, guys. I'm not 100% sure that this that I should be giving any advice on this. I've never been... I've never had, okay, well, okay, I have an episode coming out soon called Reflecting, and I talk about, technically I was in a relationship, but I feel incredibly bad. I was the awfulest girl. I was not a girlfriend. So, let's just, yeah, that, mm, that was freshman Cammie, and she was not, she was not it. But other than that, I've never been in a relationship, and I think part of that is because I've never been willing to be vulnerable. I'll admit it. I I don't want to risk someone not liking me back, and I would say just recently I'm starting to try with relationships. I'm trying to try to make a relationship work, like, just this year, and it's kind of scary. The rejection is hard, but I think it's going to be worth it, you know? And also, I think being yourself is important. I used to try to be someone else for guys to like me, and one thing I've learned from that is that I can't, I can't do that because then the guys aren't liking me. They're liking the other me 
And it's not going to make me feel better about myself. It's going to make me question why guys only like the me when I'm pretending to be someone else. And honestly, I think people like being authentic more. Like, you can tell when someone's being themselves. So one thing I'm really trying to work is not changing myself for people. At all. Ever. Speaking of which, I got bangs. Bangs. I know. Bangs. Um, about a week ago-ish. And I got those for me, and I am so happy about it. But that was just a side note. Um, (laughs) yeah. No, relationships are a bit of an interesting topic because I have kind of failed at relationships. I'm not gonna lie. I have never really... I don't think you can like the right people, but I tend to, like, go for people who are definitely not an option for me. (laughs) And, you know... It's okay. You know, my love life, not really there. Not very interesting and kind of a mess, but that's okay. That That is about all I have for my relationships, folks. Thank you guys for listening. Um, if you're listening to any of the other two categories, then great. I'll see you guys there. If not, thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, tell me if you liked this format or not, and I'll see you next week, hopefully. Bye. Hello, it's Cammy. Sorry if you just came from the last episode, but you are going to get a quick introduction introduction again. Or not the last episode, but the first segment. This is segment number 2. This one is supporting a loved one with a mental illness. Now, I think this is a really important topic to talk about because not everyone here who's listening to this has a mental illness or struggles with mental health. I think we all struggle with mental health, but I think we all also probably know somebody else who is struggling with a mental illness. And as someone who's struggled with mental illness, I feel kind of like an expert a little bit to know what has helped me and what I know has helped my friends. So if you're here, welcome. I'm super happy you're here. I know you're doing something really amazing for the people you love. If you're listening to this conversation, I know you really care about someone in your life and I'm rooting for them and I hope you're rooting for them too. I know you're rooting for them too. And I want you to tell them that you're proud of them because I'm proud of them. Now, supporting a loved one with mental illness, I want to talk about some things that have helped me because one of the most important things that people have done for me that have helped me with my mental illness has been distraction. Now, that might seem really easy or like, what? That's not what helps you the most. But yes, when your mind is focused on a mental illness, it's mostly what you think about. And just even if you can spend 10 minutes, just 10 minutes not thinking about it, those 10 minutes are going to be better than the rest of your minutes in your life in that day. And I I love distraction. And when I was really struggling, I was constantly thinking about my food and body and anxiety and depression and what my parents did the most and my friends did the most was playing game nights, board games. Like, we would play hours upon hours every night. My family and I play, like, two hours of games, and it took a big sacrifice on their part. Like, they had to give up time, and I super much appreciate them for it, but I was able to actually focus because I liked games. Games might not work for you. I mean, I'd give it a try, but you can play funny games, party games, thinking games, logic games, any kind of games. They... Like, then something that really takes over your mind, doesn't really involve electronics, just doesn't involve social media, I think it was so helpful for me, and that helped 
The other thing that people did for me that really helped distract me was, like, giving me logic puzzle books. I loved logic puzzles. That's not for everyone, but it's something that really took up all of my mind space. Like, to get my mind space off my mental illness, I had to put my mind space onto something else, and I would have never known that if the people who loved me didn't, like, force me to try to do these things. Not, not force me, but, like, they bought me the logic puzzles and were like, try it. Or they would start the game and be like, Cammy, we're playing a game. And I'm grateful for that looking back, even if I wasn't at the time always. I mean, I was normally grateful, but... And the other thing I wanted to kind of talk about is hikes, just getting outdoors. If you're struggling and you can't exercise or mentally or physically ill and you can't exercise, even just sitting outside, I think, and talking. But hikes and a good conversation, if you're mentally well enough and physically well enough, elites, top tier 10 out of 10 would recommend. Just even if you don't like hikes, I don't even like hikes. Going with someone when you're mentally ill just helped so much. It just reminded me of nature and earth and even just spending quiet time outside. Ugh, beautiful. Lastly, okay, something that helped me was surprising me. Like when my friends would surprise me and come over and just say hi or surprise me with a text or send me like a little gift or a card, that just brought so much joy in my life at the time. Like it still probably would. But I, the little things like that were like, okay somebody is thinking about me. Somebody cares about me. Somebody wants me. That meant so much to me when I was struggling, and I I, I would totally recommend trying it. It can just be something simple as a, hey, how are you text, or it can be something bigger, like sending them a little gift or surprising them and coming over, like anything. Oh, yeah. The second thing that really helped me was unconditional love. And I mean, I needed constant affection when I was struggling. Just constant, I love yous, I support yous, I'm proud of yous. Because I was not getting any of those from myself. I was not proud of myself. I was not loving myself. And hearing those from other people really, really, really helped me. And I would totally recommend that to somebody. If you're helping, trying to help someone that you love with a mental illness, remind them that you love them. Have that unconditional love. Even when you're mad at them, love them. And remind them that. Even when they're struggling, you still love them. Remind them that. They're not going to remember on their own. Like, it, they might, but they might not. It's hard. And that's kind of, yeah, like, little reminders just help so much. Okay. Next. Oh, I forgot to mention, by the way, side note, I'm filming in my car, and I, de- not my car, my dad's car, and I definitely forgot to turn on the air, so I'm kind of, like, melting as I'm talking. So, Also, my bangs are on my face, but I'm going to keep talking. Um, This is a long episode for me, because while you guys are probably only listening to one of the three segments, I'm recording all three in a row, so I'm running out of voice, but one thing that people have taught me... Oh, and... (laughs) Whoa! Skipped on to the next topic. Okay. The last thing is to remember that you aren't the professional. Like, something that used to really bug me was when people try to give me professional advice. So tell me, like, they would get upset about, like, I was struggling with an eating disorder. So if my parents would get upset about my weight, like, they weren't my doctor. Or when my friends, I love when my friends would tell me, like, hey, Cammy, are you making a good choice right now? Like, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to eat breakfast. Uh, that was great. That was helpful. But when I would eat breakfast or something and they would be like, this isn't enough, or just state it like a fact, it would really upset me because they weren't my team. They weren't my dietitian. They weren't my doctor. Or... I'm not sure I'm going with depression and someone would tell me, like, give, not advice, but tell me what to do. Like, 
feel this way or I don't know. Just always to keep in mind that you aren't the professional, but helping get professionals can really help. Supporting what the professionals say can really help. But remembering that ultimately everything you're telling them, they're going to have to take off a grain of salt because you aren't a professional. Next, I wanted to discuss what some people, things that people have told me, this is the last segment, this is the smallest segment, by the way, but some things that people have told me that have really stuck with me, like things that have truly touched me as someone with mental illness when I was struggling. The first is I, when I was in residential eating disorder treatment for the second time, I had a really bad day. I probably will talk about this in a future episode. Don't want to get into it right now. But I did AWOL, which is kind of like running away from the facility. And I remember when I got back, I told the director, I was sitting on this balcony with her and I was like, if I get to leave, I will keep myself alive. I will feed myself enough to stay alive. I will not end my life. And she just looked at me, held my hand and said, Cami, I want so much more for you than to just be alive, than to just keep yourself alive. And then we just sat there in the quiet for about a minute. And that changed my life. That changed my life. I realized, wow, Cammie, people want more for you. Like, even if you don't want more for yourself right now, there's so much more to life than just keeping yourself alive. Like, you can live. I don't know. That just touched me. Something that always got to me was the I'm proud of you's. I know not everyone with mental illness likes to hear this. So this is a really, you definitely need to ask the person. But for me, I'm proud of you. It's meant the world. It meant that I, it reassured me that I was going in the right direction, that I was doing something right. So even when my brain would tell me like, oh, mm-mm, Cammy, like you need to stick with mental illness. This person was telling me, no, you don't. I'm proud of you. And I did something, you know, to beat my mental illness. And that, even when I wasn't being my mental illness, just hearing that I'm proud of you helped so much. But I specifically remember when my dietician told me she was proud of me, I, for the first time, like, she wasn't the kind of person who just went around telling everyone she was proud of them, and it meant so much to me. Oh my god, I will always remember that moment. Now, one thing my best friend told me in the hospital, this is called tough love, and I love my friend. My best friend, E. Lee, I've already talked about that in the last segment, but I love it. I had to tell her this once as a joke, but she told me this seriously. She said, I love you, but I won't love you dead, Cammie. You can't die. Not on me. And it reminded me that I'm living for more than myself. I was living for her too. I was living for my family and that she would love me, but she's not going to love me if I end my life on purpose, or she's not going to love me if I don't choose to start living. And it was a tough love I needed to hear to make me go to treatment. It was what I needed to hear because I was so, I needed her so badly that that tough love really helped me. Something else someone has said to me once was surrender to life, not just recovery. In treatment, I was constantly telling my therapist that, and everyone, (laughs) it was kind of annoying, that I was surrendering to life, I mean, to recovery. And on the last day I left, my therapist told me, stop flirting with the idea of not living. Like, Yes, we get it. You're recovering from your eating disorder, but you also need to surrender to life. That might not be as universal as these other things, but that's just, I'm trying to give examples of things that people have told me that helped. Um, it changed my life, actually. Just a simple, it's possible. It's so cliche. So many people have told, it's possible and recovery is not linear. 
have both helped me so much, even though they're both so linear. I mean, linear. I'm getting all messed up. See, it's hot in the car. (laughs) No, so cliche. They both help so much. For me, anyways. One person once told me, would you rather have a life or a mental illness? That's hard. Because as much as hard as it might seem, with some mental illnesses, the person wants the mental illness. Like, I don't know how to... They don't want it. They don't want it. But their mental illness wants it. And at not all points in my recovery did I want to get better. And I had to really separate that it was life or my eating disorder. Life or my suicidality. Like, I couldn't have both. And that one was also a little bit of tough love, but it helped. And one was, it's not your choice to have an illness, but it is your choice to recover. This was said especially about my eating disorder, but about anything. You don't get to choose to be suicidal. You don't get to choose to have general anxiety. You don't get to choose to have OCD. You don't get to choose any of these mental illnesses. But you can choose to recover. You can go to choose to go to treatment. You can make choices every day to combat it. And I loved when someone told me that. I needed to hear that. You know, I did. With that said, this is the end of segment two. If you watch this segment and this is all you're watching, I'm super happy you watched. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you help your loved one. I hope I helped you and your loved one. And I love you and I hope you come back to the next episode. If you've listened to both segments so far or you're listening to the next one, oh my gosh, love you, babes. Thank you. Um, and now we're going on to the third. Hello. Okay. It's Cammy again. Segment three. Um, mental health in the media. I'm kind of excited for this one. This one's a bit of a rant, but I'm super excited to discuss this because I definitely feel like it needs to be discussed. So that's exciting. Um, if you've listened to one or two of the other segments, then I'm super happy that you're still here. That's pretty exciting. And yeah, so I just want to talk about some unhelpful portrayals in the media. I remember when I was little, or not little, but before I had mental illness, I believed like what I saw in the media. Like, obviously, I'm going to believe that mental illness is what it's like in a mental illness film or something, or how the media portrays it. I hated that the media portrayed. I'm going to talk about eating disorders specifically here for a second. I try to keep this podcast open to all mental health. But this is going to be heavily about eating disorders and anxiety and depression. But this is going to, right now, it's going to be a lot about eating disorders. So, first of all, just so many inaccurate, before I had, I'm not going to lie, before I had an eating disorder, I genuinely believe that people with eating disorders didn't eat a single thing or ate, like, a bite of something maybe every other day. Like, I did, I didn't realize that people, like, ate and you could easily disguise your eating as eating enough. Like, you could look like you're eating enough. You could be eating what's enough for someone else. Like, I did not realize. You could be overeating. You could be, oh my gosh. I I knew so little about eating disorders. I knew, like, all I had known about was the most chronic types of anorexia. So I also thought people with eating disorders, I thought nearly all of them would die. And I thought that nearly all of them were, like, tiny, tiny, tiny middle school little white girls. And I hate that I believe that. That's not what it is. There is so much diversity. There, oh my gosh. And I believe this because that's what the media showed me. Like, that was the truth. I did not realize how common they were. Yeah. One, I also, just sometimes I watch a movie and I'm like, that's not how it would work. Like, I love, right, okay, I'm sorry. I don't, am I going to get copyrighted for this? 
I really hope I'm not. Okay. I'm just going to say it. Um, yeah. So to the bone, I watched that movie probably eight times while I was sick. And I would just like to say, well, some of it is accurate. Like if you're not, if you're in treatment and you don't eat, first of all, they're, they track what you eat. Like it's very set. They're not just having family dinners and like casual outings that everyone goes out on and smoking. Like you don't just sometimes leave. Like half the places are lockdown facilities, but like if you're not eating, either they're sending you inpatient to the hospital where they will keep you locked down, or you're having to comply to a feeding tube. Like you're, there's no way around not eating in treatment. I don't. Ugh. And then second of all, Red Band Society. I actually loved that show. It was I loved that show, but and I loved the character of Emma Chota, but I hate that in both these shows, it's portrayed by a small white girl, and because that's not always the truth. And I think showing body checks of these small white girls is just so wildly inappropriate. And it's not helpful at all. Second of all, on some unaccurate portrayals, can we just talk about anxiety attacks for a minute here? How many times have you seen an anxiety attack portrayed as someone is in the bathroom at a school or they're in their bedroom with all of their friends, just they all happen to be there, and they start heavily breathing, and they're like, <gasps> and they, like, fall down into the corner, and they're, like, crying, and they're so unaware. Some people have anxiety attacks like that. I have had an anxiety attack like that in front of my mom. 90% of the time, my anxiety attacks, I function. I'm at school while I'm having an anxiety attack. I'm My brain's not working its best. I feel like I'm dying. I feel stressed out. I'm panicking and calling my mom to pick me up, but I, on the outside, no one else would know I'm having a panic attack. And it's not something that just randomly happens. Like, the first one, sure, you might not see, but, like, it doesn't happen once and go away for the most part. Like, you're probably going to have multiple. And it's not just, like, this foreign episode of a TV show. Like, it's part of your life. Okay. See, I told you this segment is more of a rant. Um, yeah. Also, I wanted to talk about social media glamorizing mental illnesses. Also, especially eating disorders. Can we just... I'm going to throw this out there. Tumblr 2012 has morphed into TikTok 2021. I'm going to say that one more time. Tumblr 2012 has morphed into TikTok 2021. TikTok 2021 is so unhealthy. It's not glamorous. Like, there's all these people who somehow have technology who should not be, no offense, but if you're going to be posting this, you should not have access to technology, who are glamorizing, like, going to the grippy sock vacation, like, oh my gosh, LOLs, like, ended my, tried to end my life and failed. Like, these aren't funny trends. These aren't, this is life or death. Like, this is not trigger. I would need to give a trigger warning on this segment. I'm sorry. Uh, It's not, I'm not mentioning details, but like, yeah, trigger warning. Okay. Now that that's said, like, your tube is not glamorous. I'm sorry. It's not, like, it's not fun. It's not exciting. I, You know how many people hurt because they see people on tubes and think that that's what they have to do to be validated? Or even posting about treatment. Like, treatment's an important part of life, but you don't have to be valid to go to treatment. I wish we had so many more stories shared of people who didn't have to go to these extremes to get help from their mental illnesses. That, okay. I just had to say that. And also, yeah, it's not, like, the media will always portray it as, like, this girl holds an apple and, like, when her friends aren't looking, she tosses it in the trash and says, oh, I'm not hungry. But half the time, you eat the apple, and then you have to deal with the pressure and the stress and the guilt of eating the apple. It's just, don't believe everything you see on social media, and on media, and on TV. 
why this is problematic, this invalidates people, this gives a false idea of what's accurate and what's not. Like, this is not a good thing. It's hurting so many people. I, oh my gosh. It creates also this idea. I used to think because of social media and the internet and TV that high functioning and low functioning depression, first of all, I don't think those are things. I think there's different functions. I think high functioning is often associated with functions that include like showering and keeping general hygiene and grades and socializing and low functioning is like the people who can't do that thing is what people see. But really, I think there's just different functions for each type of depression, different dehabilitations. But with that said, I used to think that high functioning depression was like kind of depressed, like people who were sad and then, but not really depressed. And then people who were low functioning depression, like I used to think if you had good hygiene, there was no way you're depressed. That's so false. That is so inaccurate. In fact, I've had both kinds of anxiety. It's, I've gone a week without showering as gross as that, is that to admit. I'll admit it. I was struggling. I went a week without showering, but I also had times where I showered five times a day because I love the warm water. Like it just depends. Everybody is different, you know? So I just think it creates problematic misunderstandings, and I really wish... I think one of the things I'm trying to do with this podcast is to help people understand mental illness a little bit better. I hope I'm doing that. And to make you feel less alone, because the media doesn't necessarily do that. Okay, with all that said, we have come to the end of the third segment and the episode... If you're still here and you listen to the whole thing, oh my god, like, thank you. But also, if you listen to this segment, oh my god, thank you. I want to just remind you guys that my Instagram is Recovers with three S's, and my DMs are always open to everyone. I love meeting new people. I love friends. And I'm so happy you're here. I'm so excited to film my next episode. I have some super special guests coming on in the future and some really fun topics. So I think you guys should definitely stay on tune for that. And... I appreciate it. I want you guys to fight with all of your heart today. I want you to battle and I want the best for you in your life. I hope this was a safe space. I hope that this helped or will help you help someone or just brought some awareness to something that's been angering you, whatever it was. I hope that this was not a waste of your time. I hope this was a good spent period of your time. Whatever you were doing, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, while you were doing this, whether it be cleaning or driving or lying in bed. I hope you did a good job at it. And if you didn't, that's okay. But I hope, you know, if you were cleaning, I hope this helped you clean. I hope if you were driving, this entertained you. Entertained? I don't think that's a word, Cammy. Um, yeah. And now that I'm starting to refer to myself as Cammy, I think it's probably time for me to go. I'm kind of just babbling at this point, but I love you all and you babes are my faves. <laughs>